0: Hello, once again, beautiful soul fam. Welcome to a brand new episode of Ceremony Circle Podcast. I am your host, shaman and author, Allison Charles, and I hope you're doing well. I hope you're riding with grace whatever waves are coming your way in life. And I just want to get right to today's episode. You probably know of today's guest as one part of a dynamic women's fitness duo who created one of the world's most recognizable wellness and fitness brands out there. But there is a majorly compelling backstory to how Karina Dawn, today's guest, got to where she is today. It's a story that involves devastating mental health diagnoses, dealing with potent shadow aspects and facing deep fears at a very young age to spiraling downward for over a decade before having her wake up moment, which she shares about in today's episode. You'll hear what the message was that came in in her darkest hour that instantly changed the trajectory of her entire life. Now through all the spiritual and inner work she's put in, she's now gotten very clear that her real mission is all about mental health, destigmatizing it and the conversations that need to be had around it. Karina is a full-on beacon of hope for any one of you wanting to rise up out of victimhood, tough childhoods, addictions, depression, and more. And she shares the practices and mindset she dedicated to that enabled her to change everything. And of course, I could not do today's interview without also chatting with her about the massive success that is the Tone It Up empire that she and her partner Kat built over the last 12 years. She shares business tips on how to scale, how to trust others to do tasks that only you were used to doing, the key to their success in growing such a massive worldwide audience, the moment where she knew that they had built something major. We also get her thoughts on burnout, whether that's burnout around working out or working in your career, and her perspective on this might really surprise you. Today is a very freeing gathering where both mental health struggles are spoken about and the opposite end of the spectrum, how to find true joy again, and how to build an inner and outer empire that you feel really proud of. So here we go. All right. Hi, Hi, sister. Hi. My fellow Indiana sister here. Yes. Representing.
1: Yes. It's exciting.
0: Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for joining me. You said before we started recording that this is your first interview in a year and a half. In person, in person inter-
1: interview. Yeah. You know, here in Austin. And you know, we did a lot of Zoom podcasts, but um, and then we started saying no, because we're ready to be, or I'm I say we because I always do interviews with the cat. <laughs> Ready to be back in person. Yes,
0: it is time. (laughs) So here we are. So thank you for saying yes and joining me today. And when I was feeling into our flow for this beautiful voyage that we're about to take, I was recalling when we first met, which was at that massive Pop Sugar Playground yeah. event in New York City. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were back, and I think they designated it, they called the it the green, green Room. room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were in the Green Room, and I met Kat, your business partner and friend. And, and she said, Oh, you've got to meet Karina. She's so like, all you do, the things you do are things that really interest her. And so I'm so glad we connected that day and how yeah. funny you fast forward two years and now we were like
1: neighbors in Texas. Yeah, I know. I remember that day and I was walking through the green room and you were in your makeup chair and you just turned around and you went like, you opened your arms wide and I was like, hi, I don't know who you are, but hey, i hug you. And then I learned, you know, yeah. learned who you are and watched you on stage that day um, as you were speaking. I was like,
0: I like her. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed your energy that day as well. And oh my gosh, I'm really looking forward to this chat because you and Kat have built, in my opinion, one of the most recognizable and grand health and wellness businesses on the planet.
1: Thank you. I agree with you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, tone it up. We founded it together in 2009. So it's been about 12 years. Wow. Um, One of the first fitness communities geared towards women trying um, or just providing women with the tools that they need to live their best life, but not be restricted from joy and happiness and perfection. And Mm. um, it's really grown over the years and it's amazing where the community has gone.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, when I was doing my research, I was like, man, I mean, I knew you guys had done so much, but you've got your app, you have fitness equipment, gummies, proteins, cookies, and target and grocery stores. You guys are featured in Forbes, a cover of women's health self, New York times, bestselling book, a show on Bravo. I was like, damn, you guys <laughs> have been really freaking busy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a real empire.
1: Yeah. You know, and, We, When we set out, we both came from the fitness industry in our own rights and our own uh, careers pre-tone it up. And we just came together. We met at the gym, ironically, (laughs) of course. And we were neighbors. We lived a block from each other. And we ended up moving in together. We just connected right away. We had this synergy and this passion for sharing a message for women because fitness and a healthy lifestyle changed our lives, especially mine in such a dramatic way. And we felt the calling to be able to share that with other women. Mm. So at the time to like fitness was like so strict. It's like all or nothing. You can't do this. And, you know, being yelled at by trainers and we just wanted to bring fun into it. Yeah. You guys have done a really masterful job at that. And as you were just saying,
0: the, the part about the the strictness and the seriousness and just the, that kind of harshness that Mm -hmm. the fitness industry can bring. I like was reflecting. I had these little flash vision memories, you know, as we've chatted on our, our hike, I shared a bit about my background with the distance running and also being a personal trainer and a division one college coach. And yeah, I'm just so glad that you guys right out of the gate were so clear in that intention to Bring in the joy and to really um, celebrate that community factor, and I I want to dive more deeply into tone it up perhaps at the tail end of the interview. But before I do any kind of segues, I am curious. You guys just I don't even want to call it a following because at that Pop Sugar Playground event there were like fifteen thousand attendees over that weekend, and it was it was a massive event. And when you all were, you know, doing your workouts, I mean, just hundreds or thousands of people, what do you attribute? What was that specific alchemy or energy or intention that allowed you to, to build this family that follows you?
1: Truth. Mm. Authenticity. It literally was fitness saved my life. Uh, Moving my body saved my life. And It's just wanting to share that energy and just seeing women, because I've been, we've talked before about my, I'm sure we'll dive into it, but my own depression that I went through and how moving my body brought a smile to my face and Mm. boosted my endorphins and just looking out in a crowd at an event like that and seeing women working out, hugging, crying, and just feeling this, these emotions and this togetherness, mm. like that is our purpose of starting Tone It Up. It's making people feel good and see, see the good and, I don't know, just, and community and non-judgment. Also at the time when we started Tone It Up, you know, women can be very harsh to each other and mm. judgmental. And so we're accepting of, everyone and we're inclusive and just looking out in the crowd and seeing all these women together, moving, sweating, laughing, hugging, like we did our job. Mm-hmm. Makes
0: all the, yeah. everything worth it, yeah. you know, cause I know there's a lot that goes into running a business like that. But perhaps my favorite part is that while here you sit, you know, being this co-founder of this real hearty empire you were certainly not born into any sort of grand lifestyle, and we both come from Indiana. Ooh, yep. You know, some humble Midwest hey.
1: roots. Peru, Indiana, circus capital of the U.S. I hear. Wow. You know, we had a big circus there. I Still...
0: am learning something new about my home state. <laughs> I did not know this. Okay, yeah, and I come from a tiny little town, Syracuse, and. I would love for you, and this is really going to anchor in that that truth and authenticity piece that you just touched on. I would love for you to share about those more humble beginnings in Indiana. And uh, the question that came in is your seven-year-old Karina in Indiana. At that age, at that point, were things, quote unquote, good at 7 years old did you feel like you were at that point in a quote unquote normal upbringing normal household what was what was that age like for you
1: 7 years old um, my favorite number so i like that you pulled that one in. and it's very <laughs> like
0: i literally it just was specific i needed to know about 7 year old karina
1: <laughs> 7 year old karina was a joyful child mm. Riding her bike in the neighborhood, playing with friends, being creative, building my own businesses in the basement. I used to teach. I used to have a restaurant in my basement. What kind of food were you serving? Um, it was out of mud or play doh, oh. and I, <laughs> I would just—I was such an imaginative kid. Oh. I was always—I was usually playing by myself, but I was just acting, and I would. Um, I also was. Uh, Doing yard sales, I would go to my parents and say, anything you want to sell? Like, and I'd go through their closet, and I would, as a seven year old kid, I would make like 300 bucks in a day. Wow. Lemonade stands, dog walker of the neighborhood. That was seven year old Karina was like, she was out there hustling. She was ready. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. This is so good. And so, I'm, and I'm, I love that you just painted that picture because I, know that when it got time, when you were 13 years old, that's when
1: a big shift. shift. Yeah. It was 12, 13 was when things in my house started um, shifting. And my mother was, um, I'll just get to the point, she was diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. We didn't know at the time, but she would be in and out of the household. There was a lot of Delusions going on in the house. You know, we weren't allowed to listen to music anymore, watch TV, couldn't wear anything with a graven image like on your clothes, like you couldn't wear a flower or anything because it was like she was very religious. Well, her paranoia was very religious. Um, so at the time, when you're 12, 13 years old, little seven year old Karina was very confused mm. and kind of sent me in a spiral. Mom was in and out of the house, missing persons for months at a time, Jane Doe in a hospital. Um, yeah, so 1213, that's when I started skipping school, started doing drugs, smoking, drinking, you know, doing all the rebellion things because there was such a confusion. And back then, we're talking the 90s, yeah, early 90s. And no one talked about mental health. So when I'm told by a doctor that your mom has schizophrenia, I don't, I'm like, well, what's that? So, you know, I go to the library and I Mm. rent a book and I'm reading a book while at school and trying to educate myself on this. But then it's such a stigma where you don't talk to anyone about it. Because if I told my friends what was going on at home, they just thought I was crazy. So I lost a lot of friendships that way. But yeah, that was, that was what sent me in a spiral.
0: That's really hard. And I was feeling into that this morning and thinking wow at such a young age you were really presented with a lot of a lot of those scarier essences of life a, a lot of shadow pieces already making their way to you because uh, one reason being what you just said mental health especially back in those days it just yeah it was never never discussed. And, um, yeah, it was something that was always tucked back and pushed back into the shadows. If you had a family member that had any sort of mental uh, health struggles, it's just like, you know, shush that and don't, and, and don't bring that up. And so I was picturing you, you know, getting this information and then, yeah, the confusion, the, the scaredness, the, um, just not knowing what to think about it, what to feel about it, where to go with that information. And just really, I would guess, feeling like your life is being turned upside down Mm -hmm. in some ways. And so I'm curious, was there a shift in your mom's behavior? Like for your younger upbringing, was she somehow, was this mental health struggle more under wraps and just, it wasn't exacerbated or, and at some point it started to get more severe. Where did that shift happen?
1: Yeah, I believe it was there growing up, but not, so when you have a mental health condition, you can go through episodes and psychosis and then be good again. And there it can, um, a psychosis can be brought on by a trauma event or something. And it's basically, or toxins or chemical imbalances. And so it growing up, I mean, I love my mom. And to yes. this day, yes, I even tell her, I still, you know, she's in my life to this day. And I've told her that, you know, I love you. And what happened when I was younger, even though you feel like you weren't there, you did raise me because I wouldn't change a thing because you raised me into the woman today. I am today. And I'm so proud of her. But yeah, the shift it creeps up on you, Mm. especially because you want to, when you're a 12 or 13 year old girl, you want to believe everything your mother is telling you. And you, I believe even my dad kind of shoved some stuff in the corner and tried to pretend like everything was okay. Like this was normal and just trying to normalize everything and be a, a normal family. But it just, wasn't.
0: Mm -hmm. And when she started to, like you said, go in and out of being in the home and and just kind of going missing and um, perhaps showing up in the hospital, do you recall, you know, what that brought up for you inside of yourself where?
1: Yeah. um, I have a specific memory of going into a psych ward and seeing her laying in bed hooked Mm -hmm. up to everything and the doctor's telling me she was on Haldol and um, some other medications. Confusion. Like, literally, I at that age, like, no one knows how to process that. Um, isolation. Those feelings of confusion and isolation.
0: Do you have siblings that were also in this experience with you? Yeah, my sister. She's two years older than me. Okay. And were you guys having similar reactions to this big life change or are very different
1: very different our relationship with my mom was very different my mom was very close to me she came to me for everything all her delusions all her secrets she was treated my sister very differently in a a negative way. So I think my sister and I, we didn't even talk about it back Mm. then. Now when we're together, we'll talk about it all the time. Like, oh my (laughs) God, do you remember this story? Like, was that real? Is that like just like Mm. breaking down everything from our childhood? So now my sister is, you know, we're we're like, damn, (laughs) that was a lot.
0: Yeah. It's definitely a lot. And so for you, that confusion and you know you didn't have the skills and tools yet to know how to navigate when really intense waves come into your life, you know, and, um, because of the denial or just the scaredness of other members of your family, really looking at this and tending to this, you weren't able to sound out your confusions and fears to them. So that is what then started to lead you into the using of the drugs and the alcohol. And I also read that at one point, were you suicidal? Yeah,
1: Um, I was. I did attempt suicide by swallowing a bunch of pills and downing it with um, some rum, a bottle of rum. Wow. Uh, and you were was, young, right? Yeah. At that time, I think I was 13. Wow. Yeah. I ended up in the hospital um, and having my stomach pumped and everything. But um yeah, that was the spiral. And it's interesting at that time because we're so aware, so I was in the spiral. I was escaping through the drugs, the ex just I mean you name it, I did it. Didn't ever use a needle. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like just seeking something and I used to go to this place that's still open in Indianapolis, Indiana called New Age People. And I was in high school and on Friday nights there was this woman named Whitefeather who led meditations. And this is when I was in high school and like, I would just go with my friends and do these guided meditations and be taken off. And, you know, I've, I think even back then I was seeking something where today I understand what it is more, but that was the only healthy habit I had back then.
0: Yeah. And it reminds me of some of my experiences where that Alive, awakened, deeper soul aspect in me, and the little shaman alley in me was trying for dear life to keep some aspect of those truths alive. Even when I was going through my own, you know, woundings and dysfunctions and things. And because I look back too, and, you know, I was taking online psychic courses (laughs) and, you know, yeah, going to the the crystal stores, and, and there was that one side that was like, don't go 100%. Yeah down this other path. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I had an altar in my bedroom and like at 13 years old (laughs) with cards and candles and crystals. And I didn't know what any of it was, but you're just like called to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's the only thing that kept me grounded and safe is having some kind of belief and self-healing that was there in between going to raves and just having a good old time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so what eventually, um, there's a lot of other little layers that I would love to explore, because I know this is going to be such powerful and healing medicine for those listening, because I also learned from an article you recently wrote, the statistics that one in five adults experience mental illness each year, which equals over 51 million people. That's Mm. a lot of folks who are either firsthand experiencing some of what you're talking about, or were perhaps in a similar role as you, where they were experiencing a very close family member. So thank you. I just (laughs) want to like take a moment to thank you so much for um, your willingness to talk about all this, because I think it's so important. But was that a big wake up call, you know, after you had your stomach pumped and did any additional light bulbs go off inside of you or did you still have quite a number of years? Oh,
1: I had another decade. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would, well, yeah, maybe like eight, nine years. I, long story short, my mom ended up in California and a private detective found her here and I are there. And, uh, I went out and thought I could save her and bring her back home to Indiana, but I ended up falling in love with California. So I moved there because the parties there were way better than Indiana, <laughs> mm, right? <laughs> I was 18 at the time, and so I moved to California, and I was still just in search of myself, lost. I and I always thought I'd end up like my mom, so I never believed in myself. That's the thing why I was self-destructing because I'm like, I'm going to be sick like my mom. Mm. My my gra- my mom's dad was also schizophrenic. Uh and committed suicide and wow. I was like i didn't i didn't believe in myself i had no hope so i just you know was throwing it all away and it was about when i was 22 23 when i had this aha moment after a 3 day bender you <laughs> know uh, going out in hollywood and you know all the fun stuff hanging with the celebs thinking i was like the cool you know early 20s girl but i woke up in the park and coming down and sad and crying. And I was like, this is not my life. Like, I, that spark comes into you. Like, you have to take control of this because you're either going to die or uh, just like this voice in my head or whatever. I was like, you're meant to be great. And immediately then, that was it. I shifted. And I started doing yoga and kundalini meditation. I started uh, working out. I was, because in this time I was like, when was I happy? Oh, that seven-year-old girl, you know, what did she do? Oh, she also was running and loved sports. So I started running, doing triathlon, and that became my therapy. Instead of going out to the club at night, I was like, got to get to bed, got to be up at 6 a.m. to go move my body and just it it just it was a work in progress. Lots of therapy, lots of books, um, but it was that shift, and fitness was my savior. Then,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, the word that keeps coming in is resiliency, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm sure you had to hit up against just so many places: mind, body, spirit, soul to just keep going. And it's beautiful that these practices really started to be on the healthier side of things, a way to allow you to keep going. You know, how you kept yourself going before this intervention or awakening, whatever we want to call that day in the park, that that spark came back alive, and you heard that voice. You know, before you were managing through like escaping and distraction, and now you're taking this big pivot into this more ascension ladder of things. And I, before we go more into those lighter, more joyful aspects, you brought up something that I had on my piece of paper. And I really was wanting to ask you and hoping that you would be comfortable with me asking you. And that was that piece of, did you ever hit that place of fear that you too would Mm -hmm. also Mm -hmm. have a a severe struggle with your mental health? And so I'm curious how, when you hit up against that place, because you said you did, how did you navigate that? And how did you transcend that fear? Because it had to have been a big
1: one. Right. Because I truly was living in fear. And living as a victim of my own past, which is something, you know, a whole other thing to work out of. Um, How did I, you know, I had a conversation with my dad because my dad was married to my mom for 25 years and she was just gone one day and he went through his own, you know, situational depression. And I just, when I had this breaking point and I called him and I said, "This, this is what I'm afraid of. And he's like, you're nothing like your mom. He's like, your personality, your successes, your like just everything about you. He's like, you have nothing to fear. And it was just like him telling me that was like, okay. Mm. <laughs> and then I just kept moving forward and pushing, you know, and doing the work and not being a victim anymore. And taking control of my own life, my own choices. Like it was almost as if I was like waiting for someone to come save me, Yeah, but I can only save me. And so, and I always say it's harder to change than to stay the way you are. So it's a lot of work. Yes, It's a lot of work, but it is so worth it on the other side, just opening that door and walking through and sticking to it. And even even to today, it's a lot of work. I mean, why are we all into wellness and meditation and all of these, you know, biohacking and everything that makes us have clarity and feel good and um, because it's constant work.
0: Absolutely. It's totally a lifestyle. And I love that you shared that it was through you expressing that fear. That's what gave it that liberation and transmutation. It's just having the bravery and courage to speak out loud, like what it is that we're terrified of can open up a life-changing gateway. And yours did that in like a five minute conversation. So I think that's so beautiful that you and your dad shared that experience. Oh my gosh, this is such a, a rich, juicy conversation. So I want to feel into, okay, this is where I want to go next is how we can end some of these stigmas. And it's through exactly what we're doing right now, talking Talking. about this, right? Is that the main way? Because you're known as this like physical fitness goddess queen. Well, actually a rebel queen, because I love that you kind of bring in that rebel medicine to do <laughs> all the work, chopping your hair off and just, you know, you've got an edge to you. You yeah. do. And it's great. And I love that. But what else can we do to make all of these subjects not as gremlin and not as stuffed away?
1: Talking. And I mean, even when we started tone it up, Back then, it, the stigma was so strong where even talking with Kat, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't talk about my past. Like, oh my gosh, I did drugs. I'm this fitness superstar. I can't talk about it. But that's because back then, everything everyone was so hushed. But we finally, and I had the courage in me to shift and just start talking about it. And then it opens up these floodgates. And then you start saving each other's lives. There's so many, once I started talking about mental health and so many women in the Tone It Up community open up more, and they start talking to each other. So it's really talking about it. Um, And even, you know, right now, even with COVID, I mean, there's so many people not talking about just, you know, when I say situational depression or anxiety because of what we've all gone through and the trauma we've all experienced. And really, everyone needs to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And I've even, you know, started going into speaking in high schools and junior highs talking about mental health because no one, we didn't have that resource when I was that age. And I really think it's, we need to educate our youth Mm -hmm. at an early age to let them know that it's okay to have these certain feelings and why they're having them so that they can talk about it. And so, you know, we can decrease that suicide rate in young people Mm -hmm. who feel alone.
0: And what were some of those main steps when you talked about all this deep work that you have put in and you've shared a, a, some of the practices, like you started with the yoga and the Kundalini and, and just, you know, just really moving your body and things like that. But were there are a couple of other modalities or practices that really helped you regain
1: your power and your health? Yeah. I mean, it's a combination of it all. you know, a lot of talk therapy. I did EMDR to help with trauma. That's like deep down in your body. A lot of breath work.
0: Breath work. So powerful. It really makes some major shifts. Yeah. And you shared, and I'm not asking you to go too in depth about this, but even you and your husband, like you two have gone to therapy together Mm -hmm. to just learn because you are still in touch with your mom and you still have a relationship with your mom. And I would guess then when you're married, yeah, it's like, it's a dynamic and Mm -hmm. a life situation that then involves everyone that's close to you.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. So someone like me, I've been dealing with mental health issues with a family member for 30 years. My husband comes in the picture and he doesn't understand it. And he doesn't understand how I've normalized it almost. So I think with your partner, it's really important to, that's the other thing, you know, talking about it, and education to those around you. And Bobby, my husband, wanted to learn more about—he didn't get it. So we went to classes together through NAMI, National Alliance of Mental Illness. Um, There's a family-to-family program where you can educate yourself about mental health conditions and how to communicate with a family member, take care of a family member, deal with crisis, all of that.
0: And— I was curious to know too, um, and I know this is like a very nuanced and personal situation. But again, this could be helpful to our listeners. When you were at your lowest and experiencing, you know, the the suicidal thoughts and just feeling really, really lost and alone, can you track back in that moment? And is there anything that you wish someone should have done, could have done? could have said, you know, when you were feeling that depth of pain, do you recall a thought in your mind of like, I just wish that my sister could help? Or you know what I'm saying? Like, did anything come up for you? I wish
1: I didn't feel alone. Didn't feel alone. Okay. So I think that's one of the important messages too, is letting people, you are not alone. One in five, as you mentioned, people deal with a mental health condition. So I'm pretty sure your best friend, I've had some best friends that never talked about their sister, their brother before because they were embarrassed about it. But then when I started talking about it, they'll come to me about it. And just, yeah, people don't want to feel alone. And that's why breaking and ending the stigma is so important.
0: And so, do you think, you know, if, if someone listening is aware that a family member or a friend seems to be really um, just not their normal selves or feeling higher levels of anxiety, can that support start with something as simple as a voice note or a text saying like, hey, I just want you to know that I'm here for you or just something small like that? Yeah.
1: Checking in a voice note, a call. How are you today? Hey, you want to go for a walk? If you don't live in the same town, then calling them, Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of people that just struggle in silence. So even if they don't speak up to you, just letting them know that there's somebody that cares and that they're important and they need to be here.
0: Mm -hmm. Amen. And what has this experience, um, you know, your particular journey through traversing all of these um, really potent waters, what has it taught you about being human, you know, and how we should Just treat people in general. Being
1: human is never going to be easy. (laughs) And that's okay. Like, it's totally fine. And loving people, because we're all going through something. If it's not in the moment, everyone has, or in the future, they're going through something. So, just going through life with non judgment and being supportive and being a loving person um, with everyone. I always say, like, non judgment. And I used to think I was alone. And now I know I'm not. And I think that's the most important. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's not about perfectionism. Um, It's about just being the best version of ourselves in that moment each day. Yeah, it's so
0: true, you know, because it's, it's such a cliched but true statement. You never know what someone's going through. Yeah. You know, and so I, I think, and I'm not trying to go down this rabbit hole very much, but, you know, when I see people trolling people or bullying people online, it's like, I mean, I, I could say so much about that in general, but it's like, you have no idea this person that you just said that really hurtful, pain-bodied, filled uh, comment to you have no idea what that person is experiencing that day. They might've gotten a a call that morning that they're, you know, someone passed away or a family member's in emergency surgery, or, I mean, like you name it, right. The possibilities are endless. And um, yeah, I just think it's more important than ever for a million different reasons to hold a supportive container for yourself and for all others and to just do our best to be gentler kinder, more compassionate, and just yeah, more supportive.
1: And even then think about the person quote unquote trolling, what are they going through? Yeah. So when that happens, I just send them love. Yes.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm so glad that I've also gotten to that place where it's real, you know, where I'm I'm like, wow, they're they're hurting so bad, and my prayer other than sending unconditional love is that they're able to be brave enough to find the capacity within themselves to be more consciously aware of their own pains so that they can hopefully lean in and do whatever, whatever healing work therapy that they need to so that um, the domino effect of continued healing as opposed to, you know, pain yeah. Pain spreading can, can (laughs) happen. Yeah. So what's your relationship like now with your sister, your dad, and your mom?
1: My dad, great. My dad is also a therapist. We'll retire now. So. Oh, I love that. (laughs) I've always, you know, my relationship with my dad was very scorned due to my mom's delusions for during those early years. But now I have a great relationship with my dad. Is he
0: still in Indiana? Yeah.
1: Yeah, he was just here in Austin for the first time last week or two weeks ago.
0: How was yeah. that? Does Great. he like it here? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Does he love your new house? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. He must be so proud of you. He is. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, he is. He's he's watched me through it all, you know, just persevere. Uh, my sister, she's in Indiana, too. We don't talk as often, but we're very close. But when we do talk or she's in town, we're like up till 3 a.m., just talking, and catching up, but we're very connected. Uh, my mom, not so proud of me, <laughs> or at least doesn't voice anything. It's a, it's a struggled, it's a tough relationship right now. Very tough. It causes a lot of uh, stress, but that's where I bring out my toolbox of everything I've learned to pull through things. And, And I'm the type of person that I don't give up on anyone. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always there for her to try to help guide her to live her best life because it's not her fault. And that's the other thing when you're talking about mental illness, I have to recognize like, my mom doesn't know what she's doing. And it's, she doesn't know any better. So I just love her. That's so
0: beautiful. And, if you're willing to share, and then we'll, we'll, um, start to talk about, you know, some other things. So I really appreciate you hanging in here with me as I just really was curious about a a lot of these layers that you've experienced because I know you have hung in there and you have, you know, steadfastly done all you can to show your support and love for her. And she is still in her own ways going through her own struggles How have you stayed in that place of love when you have given so much of yourself and it has not been able to be recognized or necessarily appreciated that the level of your support, how do you stay with that when the person doesn't have the capacity to see all that you're doing?
1: It's not easy, but that's okay support around me. My husband's amazing. How do I, it's not easy. And I mean, that's all I can say. There's tears. There's moments where I scream and say bad things and then I regret it. Not to her, but just like, just getting it myself. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but then I know I'm like, this is life. It's not easy, but I was I'm, I feel like I've been trying to deal with difficult dis- um, situations since I was young. Mm-hmm. and that also goes into my career, my work, like how I deal with everything in life. like I know because of what I've been through like I can get through any difficult situation. And I allow I think it's important to allow yourself grieved time to grieve. yes and work through any anxiety or stress. Um, anger, like all those emotions are fine. And recognizing them, give them a name. Okay. I'm going to be angry right now <laughs> and I'm going to let it out and that's okay. But I'm not going to be self-destructive um, and I'm not going to put this anger on anyone else. I'm just going to give it space right here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm, I'm, if I need to cry, I need to cry. But allowing emotions. Emotions are good.
0: Yeah. They're all, they're all beautiful in their own way. You know, in that whole spectrum of earthly human emotions, you know, from ecstatic bliss all the way down Mm -hmm. to, you know, rage or uh, depression, whatever on that whole spectrum, they all have beauty to them and they all have richness to them. If we do exactly what you're saying, give them the space and permission to be acknowledged and felt and spoken to and heard. And, you know, yeah, when I get, waves of something really intense on the more, uh, I don't want to label it a negative side, you know, the, the, uh, not so fun side <laughs> of them, you know, I really sit with them in fullness. And I just like, I let myself feel where they're at in my body and just like, let the waves come in and out and let whatever needs to move for me, whether it's tears or words or movement. And I just, let myself have the full experience of what is happening inside of me. And and I have found that to be the healthiest way to move through by not cutting it off or yeah. not denying what what it needs
1: to have. <laughs> well yeah, you need to let your body feel what it needs to feel. You can't keep it all blocked up and inside and you need to let that out so that then when there is that ecstasy, you can feel that that ecstasy.
0: And be present with that too.
1: And just, that's the other thing too, for people that are having a down day or the next day is totally different. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, or the next hour. Yeah. Learning
0: to have appreciation for it all is, is what shamanism is all about. The totality, the allness of all that is. And so that means, yeah, appreciating the gnarlier, crunchier side too. So fitness is what started to... Activate that you started to find your joy again. So now we're gonna pivot into yeah. some more joyful stuff, yeah. guys. But it's it, we're talking about the allness. So so yeah, you started to move your body. You met Cat, your business partner at the gym. You guys were on the same page, and you started to build this brand. And and this is really what started to open up a whole other pathway for your life, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And knowing that uh, you know that stop blocking yourself, knowing that you deserve it. Mm. You deserve the greatness. You deserve to be successful. You deserve the ecstasy. You deserve everything. It uh, really did just, it started with just running. <laughs> and then, I don't know, just like my life changed. Running is very spiritual. Yeah.
0: It was my first spiritual practice. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. I mean, back in the day, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> no, my, I knees, can't. my knees are my, like, my hips are like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. Oh, my God. But yeah, I mean, it really connects you to yourself. It connects yeah. you to your spirit, your soul. It connects you to the earth because it's just you out there. I mean, unless you're running with somebody else, it was definitely one of my saving graces as well. And, and so you ladies started to build um, this empire that we chatted a little bit about at the top of the interview. And what what has that voyage been like? It's been 12 years strong. Mm-hmm. You guys have, I'm sure, been through the ups and the downs. What have been uh, a couple of the most incredible aspects and a couple of the more challenging aspects of being a legit empire business owner?
1: Yeah, I think one of the most incredible <laughs> moments is just when we started. We So it was 12 years ago when YouTube was mostly music and Instagram didn't exist.
0: Wow. Can, can we go back to that now?
1: I know. Right? Hashtag
0: kind of kidding but
1: not. I hear you. <laughs> um, and we started filming YouTube videos and it just, we wanted to build a community for women and it just started happening, happening naturally. Um, highlights, let's see, highlights when people started watching our videos and when women started writing in saying, you're changing my life, it's like, what? I, okay, this is, we're doing something. We're doing something. We're doing something with purpose. And I don't know, 12 years, there's so many stories that Kat and I have, um, highlights just, there's been so much to celebrate together and we always remind ourselves and pinch ourselves like don't forget, don't get so caught up in the work and the hustle of it all to, you know, make sure you're celebrating life, you're taking your gifts and spending time with family and friends.
0: Yeah. And I was curious about that. How have you, what have been the keys you found to staying present to all of these inner and outer successes? Because life does move fast and it seems to get faster and faster and faster every year. And you have evolved so much inwardly and outwardly. How do you stay connected to the present moment? So you're not letting those successes just escape you.
1: Yeah. I would say In the middle years, we definitely were in the grind and, you know, it was, it was tough. But then we're like, okay, girl, we've built something amazing. Let's make sure we're, you know, practicing what we preach. So we took a step back and, you know, took some time, started hiring more people for help because in the beginning, you're like, I can do everything, every role all by myself. We're like, no, we need to bring on a team. So we've grown our team quite a bit. Then we got to a place where we wanted to, you know, be able to be there for our community because our community is our, our, our girls, our friends. Um, so we needed to make sure that we stay connected. So building our team was really important so that we could be front facing and talk to our community
0: Mm, and not have to wear all those other back end hats that take a lot of your energy and time away. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm curious as a seasoned business pro at this point, you know, and there's a lot of people listening that are in similar spaces as us, you know, have a lot of healing and spiritual gifts and abilities, but are also entrepreneurs. And a, a lot of them are perhaps more at those entry level starting points or gates. So do you have a couple of tips? Because the entrepreneur, when you're doing both, it's a lot, you know?
1: Yeah. And then you get burnt. You don't want burnout. I've been there. Cat's been there. And then you can't be the best version of yourself for what your actual purpose is. Mm -hmm.
0: So looking back, do you have a tip or two that you could give to someone, whether it's um, how to scale, you know, because some people do hit that point where it's like, okay, I've set a strong foundation. People know my brand. I have visibility. I have a strong, positive uh, reputation, but they're still wearing most or all of the hats. Like, how do you traverse that that threshold to
1: scale. You gotta find good people. I mean I take your time with hiring. Take your time with hiring. Learn to let go of control. That's a big one (laughs) I've noticed within myself. (laughs) Because you're like, I can do everything. I can do the website. I can do the the books. I can do the contracts. I can do, you know, everything. And it's just but that's not where your time is best spent because your talent is not that.
0: So how do you let go of that control? How did you do it?
1: So our first employee that we hired 11 years ago, Brian LeCrone, still with us today. Wow, shout out to Brian. Uh, Brian, yeah. He, When we first hired him, because finally Kat and I were like, we need some someone, an assistant. And so he would come, he was part-time, he would work at my dining room table. And I was so nervous the first day he was going to start. I was like, "What do I hand over?" I'm like, "No, no, no! I'm not gonna have him do that. I can do that. I can do that." And you would so, make a list and be like, "Never no, mind, no, never no, mind. no." I'm like, <laughs> "Just sit here and like like stuff on Facebook." <laughs> that's how you started. Oh, yeah, that's how I started. But then I was like, "Oh, this is nice." And then it's like, "Okay, can you do that?" I don't know. It was a gradual oh. thing. But now I'm at the point where Kat and I are like, "Okay, we need to hire smarter someone who can do a better job." Like I don't do our our accounting office, and our you know we have a team of the finance department, and it's just people that can do it better than you mm-hmm. and trusting, but yeah.
0: It's just... I like the gradual process tip because that makes sense because I have also encountered, you know, when I bring different people on in the team, I'm just like, I'm going to hand, no, I'm not going to I'm going to hand them, no, I'm not going to hand them that. But it's like, but yeah, you learn through those subtle steps. It's like, okay, they, they were able to do that task well. Okay. All right. I can breathe a little easier. I can trust them a little bit more, you yeah. know? And um, so, yeah, I would second that tip as well. And was there a place on both you and Kat's journey where you realized like, wow, not to sound silly, like, oh, we've made it, but was there was it when all of your brand and your products were in target or was it when a a certain member of your community said, you know, because of you, I'm still alive or, you know, in any capacity, was there a moment in your journey where you, where you just knew you guys had made something
1: really big? Both of those points, actually, two things that you said, uh, target was like our dream. (laughs) We, uh, once target wanted to, carry our products. That was our first, cause we were direct to consumer up until then. So that was our first retail partner.
0: And do, when you, did you guys go into the store together and yeah. were you just shitting your pants? Yeah. Like, holy Everywhere. crap. Yeah. <laughs> like you guys have like, you know, an aisle filled with your stuff. That's yeah. incredible.
1: Yeah, I know. And it, and it still sometimes doesn't seem like reality. So you really have to like pinch yourself and be like, on the shelves of Target, I made and, that. <laughs> yeah, and then you mentioned about someone saying, "Oh, I'm alive because of you," and that that there is what tugs at my my heartstrings because that's where my work in mental health and raising awareness. And I get those messages from women in my DMs if I post something about you know NAMI or different foundations or suicide prevention, and someone uh, a woman who messaged me. And I always cry when I talk about her because I literally like cried when she said this, but she said I was going to take my life last night and then you posted a suicide prevention line and I called and now I, I didn't take my life and now I'm in therapy.
0: Wow. Mm. Oh, this
1: brings tears to my eyes. Like. It's just one little thing that we can do, and you can save a person's life. And I just...
0: mm. yeah, it doesn't get any bigger than that. <laughs> oh, man, I'm feeling that so deeply too. <laughs> I'm just gonna sit here crying for a minute. Ooh. Stay with
1: us. <laughs> I think it's that like little girl in me that feels that. Like if someone would have just mm. given me that information. That support.
0: Wow. Phew. Oh my goodness. It's so powerful. Yeah. That field that you created even by just sharing that is just so palpable and strong and has such medicine. I just kind of want to sit in it for a minute. It's yeah. Yeah. So big. Oh my goodness. well, you know thank you for putting in all the work that you have you know to have evolved to a place where you from a place of embodiment are able to share in the way that you do and have and have built the platforms to be able to reach so many people and to yeah. be able to create an experience like that where you genuinely saved someone's life it's well done sister
1: thank you. It's all about, you know, the purpose. And that's what's even most fulfilling for me Mm. to lead with a purpose.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. So I'm curious now, you know, we've covered a lot of ground on your personal journey and with where you are today today. Having experienced so much on both ends of the spectrum, whether it's the both ends of the mental health spectrum, both ends of the money spectrum, having, you know, experienced not having really any at all to now, you know, thoroughly thriving in that capacity. What's next for you and what currently brings you the most joy?
1: Oh, what's next for me outside of Toner Up? I do. I've been writing my memoir for five years which is coming out in 2022, all about um, living with a mother with a mental illness and overcoming and becoming, and also raising awareness. And it's full of just tips throughout the book as well. And my purpose and my mission is just to get out and talk about it, speak about it, um, and the stigma, save lives, bring people joy, let them know that everyone is deserving of Greatest things. Mm -hmm. And I love that
0: you're covering um, so many of the different categories. Uh, uh, A couple that I had on Ceremony Circle before, Ta Cole, they were sharing how, you know, there should not be a hierarchy to where you devote to whether it's like some people put their spiritual health at the top or it should not be a vertical ladder, but a horizontal one Mm -hmm. where you lean into all of them the best you can in a balanced and equal way. And I feel like you do such a good job of that. You know, you are a meditation teacher and, you know, you've worked with, Deepak and studied with him and worked with him and things like that. And while a lot of the world might know you from this physical fitness brand, you are such a mental health advocate as well. And so you go into the emotional health, the physical health, the mental health and the spiritual health. So I really appreciate that you cover,
1: cover all the ground there. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's what is, hits home to me and what makes me feel good and my, my purpose. Mm-hmm. And is meditation, um, is it still one of the main
0: spiritual practices that you really go to, to keep you centered?
1: Yeah, definitely meditation every day. If I don't meditate and work out, then I don't feel good either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I even, I'm victim of skipping. Like I've told you before, I'm a great rebel against myself too. <laughs> like I will be like, I am not working out today, not meditating. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, you realize how these practices really shift your mindset and how important they are. It's so simple. And um, so you got to don't rebel against yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's the last little nodule I want to just touch on with you before we get into the ceremonial offering, whatever you feel called to to share with all of us. But I loved how when we took our last hike, we were both talking about, you know, we both have these extensive Full on physical fitness backgrounds, you know, so hardcore, <laughs> and how we both got to these places where we're like, I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> nope. You know, and, uh, you know, my previous identity was that and that alone, like national champion athlete and runner girl, you know, and now here I am. I can't, I, it's been, I, my body literally, I can't run. It's been at least uh, 15 years probably. And I'm just now getting to a place where from a, from a, my decision place, I am moving my body mm-hmm. again and it feels really juicy and really good, but I'm taking my time with it. I'm not pushing myself. I'm not doing anything too hardcore. Number one, cause I really haven't worked out in 12 years. I'm not trying to like <laughs> pull a ligament or you know, something like that. Yeah. So I'm doing my little hit workouts at home. Mm-hmm. And, um, doing a lot of hiking, just being out in nature, but it feels so good. I had to give myself that time and that space to not push my body and to do it on me, your terms, do it on my terms. Mm-hmm. And you have experienced something similar, I and, have. you yeah. know, and so whatever you feel that you want to share about that, I think it could be really cool for them to hear.
1: Yeah. Even being a fitness expert, I've rebelled against it. And I would say, especially during this past year and, you know, everything shifting and everyone's schedules shifting you can get burnout on that too, but now it's like revived and you do it on your own terms and you look forward to it. Just like I I've always looked forward to it in the past. And then for some reason I had a little burnout and that's okay. Mm -hmm. It is okay. (laughs) Yeah. And never should do something that you're not feeling drawn to. Um, But we know that moving our body and meditating, it keeps us healthy, keeps us bright, keeps us, our creativity flowing So now I'm back at it. Good. I'm back. (laughs) I'm
0: with you. I am with you. And I am going anytime you want to do a home workout or uh, go on another hike, I am there because it does feel so good. And my body is so glad. They're like, oh, my God, I can just feel my blood, my heart, my circulation. It's like, oh, my God, she's moving us again. Thank you. And so, yeah, it's my new goal, you know, because I don't think I've said this ever uh, publicly out loud, especially not on my podcast yet, but Luke and I, it is, it is our intention to conceive and, Mm -hmm. you know, for me to get pregnant at some point soon. And I really want to regain some strength and, um, just get my body, my temple in a place that feels really strong before conceiving. That's going to be your baby's home. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So excited. So oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for your I knew this would just be such a beautiful voyage um that you would take us on because we're able to cover so much ground. So thank you for your willingness to be just so open and honest about Thank you for having me. Yeah. 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 And what um so in closing every ceremony circle, we do a an offering and so I let it be up to the guest. What are you going to
1: deliver? Yeah. for some reason, I brought my entire like notebook that I
0: <laughs> is this like a in. journal.
1: This is like just where I take notes. Okay, and keep important thoughts. Love it. So we've been talking a lot about mental health and overcoming and stepping into your own and trusting yourself. And I wanted to read a poem that my sister wrote. Beautiful. It was when you told me about this portion of the interview. I was like, I want to read a poem. Mm. Haven't ever read my sister's poetry (laughs) out loud or anything, but it's more about, you know, sadness and depression and the fear of change can really wear us down. But life is always moving and continuing and the choice to live comes from within. And we've been talking about that a lot. Like it's all in your mindset. And being brave and opening that door and stepping into the other side. And so this is a poem that my sister, who's shared much of the same experiences as I have, wrote. And then also at the end, I'm going to just move into a mini meditation about with the four soul questions. Because I think we've talked a lot about purpose and passion. And I get a lot of messages of what, how do I find my purpose in life? So we'll move into that after. But Mm. this poem by my sister, Rachel Zahadachne, is called, I Forgot How to Pray. For a while, I forgot how to pray. Every morning, I woke up vacant to gray light seeping through the shades. And now when I look back, every bone in my neck cracks. What was I searching for? I wonder who I'm looking for. And I've got my hand on the door in front of me. My fingers tremble as I turn the key. When can I depend on someone? Can I depend on me? Every side is sliding. I dreamed I drove into the river, but my car didn't sink. I had someone I loved beside me, and the car didn't sink. We careened wildly over the water, crashing through the currents. Skidding over whirlpools. I was driving on the water as if it were the road, but I was barely in control. I didn't sink, and neither did you. When every side is sliding, if I can depend on someone, can I depend on me? Will you depend on me? I've got my hand on the door in front of me. My fingers tremble as I turn the key. Can I depend on me? And when every side is sliding, I always slip through. So let's sit here with our eyes closed. Breathing deeply. Feeling the pressure points upon the earth, the presence with yourself, the glory of each breath. when we speak of purpose and everyone trying to find that purpose, that passion in this life, the choice to leave fear and live in love, I always ask these four soul questions in meditation. And don't look for the answer. If you practice this, the answer will come to you when it's time. Who am I? What do I want? What is my purpose? And what am I grateful for? Let's take a deep breath in together. (sighs) Exhale it out. (sighs) And just remind yourself daily that the change is within you. And you have the power to overcome anything, to do great things. It's in you.
0: Mm, So it is. So it is. Oh my goodness. I love when a super brief meditation just does it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Two minutes, like those four questions will bring you home
1: every time. Yeah. That was powerful. Thanks. Yeah. Those questions, like literally, like when I started doing that, I don't know, but it comes to you. Mm. You don't have to stop searching so hard for like, and thinking too hard into the future. Just let it come to you. And you have to listen.
0: Yeah. There were some beautiful revelations that came in. I'll just share one and then we'll, we'll close the, the circle officially. Um, it's this vision that keeps coming in. Yesterday when I was in the sauna at Alive and Well with a friend, she asked me, she said something like, if you could be any archetype, you know, what would it be? And I close my eyes to feel into it. And I was so surprised at what revealed. And it. it was the same, same image that came in during that meditation. And it's like, I just want to share, cause it just feels so good every time I see it. It's literally just me with my boobs out and like, just, just let my big, I call them jiggle jugs. Let my big jiggle jugs just <laughs> be free and, and jiggle around. And I'm like, in land and nature and just barefoot and just yes. you know, just like boobs out naked, nature, free F- Yes. Freedom. That and it's so funny, you know. It, Because I wondered with the archetype, I was like, oh, you know, am I going to be like a sword yielding, like mega warrior? And I was like, no, I'm tired of that archetype. (laughs) I've been that so long this lifetime and so many others. I just want my boobs out and I just want to be running naked in a field. That
1: sounds amazing. Right. I, I want the same thing. Good.
0: Oh, my God. Okay. Well, then, and so it is to that as well. I just, yeah, I really felt compelled. I wanted to just share that and, speak that into existence for my life (laughs) so that i feel in my mind is the perfect way to seal and close this incredible ah powerful medicinal beautiful ceremony circle voyage thank you all once again for leaning in with us for sitting with us for co-creating with us that's what ceremony circle is is you know yes it's the conversation with me and and you know, today Karina the guest, but it's, it's all of us. It's every single one of you listening. We are conjuring together, feeling together, evolving together, activating more consciousness on this entire planet and all the multiverses together. So thank each and every one of you for sitting in this ceremony voyage with us. And thank you once again, Karina, for all your honesty and just thank being you. a great person and being my friend. Thank you. All right. Bye everyone. Woo, what a powerful voyage that was. It is just my greatest honor. It brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible, embodied, true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you. Please go to my website where all the show notes are listed www.alisoncharles.com. That's www.a-l-y-s-o-n-c-h-a-r-l-e-s.com, so that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition, if at any point Moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience do so because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you. Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating. Find me on Instagram at I am Charles, And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred Ceremony Circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the Ceremony Circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes.